any good idea, no matter how innocent and intended for kicks and giggles, is chum in the waters for big business. The way companies buy each other up and devour the little guys to turn an even bigger profit and bigger name for itself on the New York Stock Exchange is the most American thing they can do. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Literate Apecast is a production of literateape.com, and the apes would like to advise you that inappropriate language and themes may follow. If you are easily triggered, best to go listen to a public radio podcast. So you think the book of Boba Fett is religious dogma? What the fuck does that mean? Are you caught up? Yes. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll share okay. with you really quickly. Um, I hadn't wanted to watch it because I, part of me was I wanted, oh, let's get them all together. But then there was some negative. There was some negative, And I felt like, God, I don't want to watch it and be disappointed because I love Star Wars so much. But also Dana, once she loves The Mandalorian, she's a big Star Wars geek. Mm-hmm. So last week I just said, okay. There were five episodes, and I went, Dana, I said, you want to you wanna watch the first episode of The Book of Boba Fett? And she said, what do you say it that way? I said, well, I've heard some squawk that maybe it's not as good as other things. Yeah, but so what? Star Wars has spent a lot of time preparing us to be it's, disappointed. It's fine. It's fine. We sat down, and we watched the first one, and she and I looked at each other and went, I don't know what they're talking about. That was fucking great. And then we watched the second <laughs> one and went, Fucking A, let's watch the third one. Watch the third one. This is fucking phenomenal. And then you have the fifth one, which is the All Mandalorian, and we're just literally masturbating each other because we're so excited (laughs) that it's the fucking Mandalorian. So now we're totally in. So yes, I am caught up. I haven't watched the sixth episode, which just dropped, but spoil away. Okay, so you're not caught up. I, apparently not. I haven't watched <laughs> Jesus. the... The last one we watched was The Mandalorian, okay. one, which was so fucking good, I couldn't stand myself. So, well, let's... Let, let me get to the, the dogmatic, the religious dogmatic part of it. That's what you wrote. So yeah. I'm like, what the fuck does so, that mean? Well, the story... and I, what did I, I put in one of my notes a couple weeks ago about what the second episode should have been called. Oh, Dances with... <laughs> yeah, dances, dances with, dances with yeah, Jawas I said, or Dance of the Sand People I, or something. Dances dance with, with the Tuscan, Tuscan Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, yeah that's, I, told, I said the same thing to Dana when we were watching. I said, I bet this is going to be Dancing with Tus- Tuscan Raiders. And it was. And it was still moving and lovely. Yeah, but no, it's, it's been great. What, what, bothers, what bothers me about the book of Boba Fett, and the reason why we're talking about this is because it's a book. And this is Littered Ape. This is the Littered Ape cast where we talk about books. Oh, is that how? Is that's that how, how you're going to spin yes. it? Yep. Spin that's, that. Spin that, that horse shit the best you can. That was good. That is twenty years of being a professional writer and marketing, and yeah, the whole thing. Um, no, that was all. That was all your bad improv training. So. Oh, that too, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> it it bothers me that Boba Fett. This is because this is meant to take place five ish years after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett really put on some weight and aged a lot while he was sitting in the Sarlacc pit, supposedly being uh, disintegrated. Like, it just... 
He doesn't gain that much weight, but he's definitely the old. But the thing is, the character. Me, but well, he, this is the thing. I know he the played Jango Fett in the prequels, and there's continuity <laughs> there. But eh, the character from the original trio, the movies, uh, you never saw his face. He right. was always covered in armor. Yeah. So it it makes total sense that maybe he was just an old dude. The thing about it is a young dude couldn't have caught. I mean, that was one of the jokes. Like he caught Han Solo. He tracked Han Solo down. Han Solo is the easiest motherfucker to track. According to the series, everybody tracks him down. He's the he's like hiding in plain sight, which means he's not hiding at all. Everybody yeah. finds him. That's yeah. the whole Han Solo thing People is that, that they always catch him up to him. Find him. That's find Luke him exactly. And Obi Wan find. Yeah. So anyway, but you know, Boba Fett's kind of a weird character in the in the original Star Wars canon. Yeah, they did the whole clone thing and the Jango Fett and all that good. I still think the guy's great, and I still love the character, and I love, I love the world. I love the kids that are all like all like the modified kids. Yeah, they're the bad. I kids, love yeah. the mod yeah. kids were so cool. Um, I love uh, what's her name? Uh, his his she, lieutenant. I don't, I don't know what command. her name is. Uh, ju- uh, well, I know the actress, but I don't know the character name. We had to look Ming-Na it up. Wen is Shinga, the actor. And yeah, yeah, yeah but, I, but it's like yeah. Shinga or something like that. But she's awesome she's awesome yeah yeah, yeah so there's, so it's, tell it's me about the of, religious fun, dogma thing so in the in the sixth episode uh and again spoilers if you haven't watched it all right uh mando is going to find grogu he's going to go visit him oh cool that's awesome so we know that from the end of the fifth one because he wants he gets the yeah yeah forges something for grogu and he, he heads off to find him. We know that Grogu is with Luke. So, spoiler, Grogu is on whatever that planet is that Luke is on when we see Luke in the last jet, or whatever the fuck, the, when we see Luke again in... Uh, oh, in uh, Return of the Jedi? or Re- No, Return not the... the, 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 no, Hope, the Hope Awakens, Star Wars... The one, reboot. yeah, the one with, where he's on the thing with the, the milky, the milky with substance. The milk stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah. So he's on. He's on. So that much planet. I like that movie. <laughs> but he's he's young Luke. So they have because we saw Luke at the end of Mandalorian. So he's yeah, that. So Luke. now, okay. so he's going through training. So now Luke is training Grogu. Um, and there's a moment because the Jedi. How interesting because he's training Grogu. This is prior to training Kylo Ren. Yes, Grogu is the. And they talk about this. Grogu is the first. They're building the oh. school. Like we see them building the school. So it's all. Oh, this is this gives there's so much room. Okay, well played. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Uh, So the Jedi's are a religious order, arguably. Like, there's no like religion, but there is. It's a religion. Yeah, yeah. They're they're priests. You know, they're celibate. They don't engage in all that other. You know, all all the. the Are they celibate? How do you know they're celibate? There's some. Where'd you get that? Where did you get that they're celibate? It was said in. I, I think in the last episode, the, of Book because of nobody Fett. had a nobody had a problem. It's not like oh, it's no, not I like Anakin got it's not like Anakin got no. kicked out of the order when he fucked Padme. It's that he no. got kicked out of the order because he killed everybody. Well, I I I heard it in a uh, half in the bag episode, but anyway, but I don't think that Jedi are supposed to engage that stuff. Like none of them have girlfriends or boyfriends or wives or kids. They would be awesome at sex. Well, of course they would be. Like you're fucking, you can float people and, up. And the universe, and, and is they would less, be the ultimate because of it. They would be the ultimate Cosby because all they have to say Jesus. is, 
It's like, it's like, no, I don't want to have sex. Wave his hand. Yes, you do want to have sex. Yes, I do want to have sex. I mean, they would be the ultimate gaslighters. It's like the fucking this, Jedi. This is the droid you want to have a three-way with. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> so if they're, think, not, if they're not, if they're celibate, that's bad. That's Anakin, too bad. Yeah, the, the universe is lesser for it, but Anakin went off and broke the thing. That's why he and Padme were hiding the whole time. But anyway, so the Jedi is a religion. And Mandalorian is... They're a religious religion. order, yeah. They're, they're a creed. There's a creed. They're like the Jews. aspect to it. They're like the Jews. It's kind of a religion and kind of an ethnicity and kind of a thing from a specific planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess that's a... Sort of, yeah. Okay, you know, let's you go know. with that. That's fine. Sure, sure. Well... I, I really don't want to give this away, but I guess I have to because we're we've spent several minutes now talking about it. The thing it. about it is I can't piss and moan about spoilers given how many goddamn spoilers yeah, I give away. So, so just go I ruin so much shit for you and for everybody in the world. So you go ahead and ruin it for me, that's fine. I will have watched it by the time we uh put this out. The at the end, Luke so Mando gets to the island and Luke has the gift for Grogu. And he sits down with Grogu and he says, the Mandalorian was here and he brought you this gift. And it's like a chainmail um, suit of armor for Grogu. Sure. Like, it's adorable little, you know, fucking onesie. For, it's, it's adorable. For when the little it's guy's in booties. battle. Yeah, it's, it's not like, booties. It's like, yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's not booties, so that's good. Um, and then, so he presents that and Grogu goes to reach for it and he says, but wait. And then he pulls open a box and he opens a lightsaber, pulls out, or opens a box, pulls out a lightsaber and he turns it on. It's a green lightsaber. And he says, this belonged to my master Yoda who taught me. So it's, it's Yoda's lightsaber. Nice. And Grogu goes to reach for that and he says, but wait, you have to choose. If you choose the Mandalorian gift, you will go back to the Mandalorians and you will be in their, learn their teachings and go their way. If you but choose if you take the lightsaber, the lightsaber you're going to go Jedi. Jedi teaching here. So he picks the lightsaber. He's basically forcing this, well, child, I mean, the kid's 50, but he's, he's forcing yeah, yeah, he's this, not a child. he's forcing Grogu to choose a religion saying, look, you can't have both because God forbid you have armor and a lightsaber and we blend a little bit to, you know, let's forget, forget we're, we're a little modern here. It's like we are he is he is orthodox in you cannot wear armor you cannot wear another religious person's armor it's and it just it 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 twerked me like it just it 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 bugged me it really bugs me see that i could see that it bugs you the thing is that doesn't bug me actually i like that i'll be honest with you because the, the the only thing in the star wars the entire star wars canon i mean literally only and this is despite the fact that everything about Hayden Christensen playing the petulant, shitty Anakin, like to a point where I can't even watch those movies because he's so bad. The only real thing that bothers me about the Star Wars uh, stories is the Metaclorians. Yeah. Because that means, well, they, they you know, because that in the prequels or the sequels. Yeah, I think I think they I think they've they've tried to change that a little bit. But that was the thing that bothered me the most because all of a sudden Luke, where it was you know use the force, anybody 
anyone could train, any human, any creature in the universe, no matter who they were, no matter what their birthing was, no matter what their genetic code was, could access and utilize the force. And then all of a sudden, in the first the Phantom Menace, it's like, no, also, it's not just anybody. You have to have these midichlorians in you. So it's really a genetic thing, and that's eugenics. And if yeah. you're born without them, then you're a black person in, uh, like, the <laughs> South in 1945. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is not cool. Right. I like it with that anybody can do it. When you bring up, like, Grogu has to choose between the Mandalorian way of life or the Jedi way of life, that works for me because it's not, it's a choice. It means it doesn't matter that Grogu may have a predisposition toward the Force because of, maybe it's because he's a frog person or whatever it is. It's that there is a training. There's a honing of specific skills. And to say, and I, you know, I guess... Again, I have not seen it, but your description of it makes me go, yeah, because if you're going to wear the Mandalorian thing, you got to kind of learn how the Mandalorian does things. And the Mandalorian is not a Jedi. He's got a good heart. He's doing the right thing. Blah, blah, blah. But that's not a Jedi thing. A Jedi thing is a lot more mystical. Yeah. And a lot more hierarchical, archical, actually. And so I think that's a legitimate choice. Choose. Choose. You're going to be the Mandalorian, which is a very rigid. But the thing about it is the Mandalorian is no longer a Mandalorian. Right. He's been he's been kicked off the he's been kicked off the fucking team. Yeah, cuz he took his helmet that, off. That cuz he took his fucking helmet off. So maybe Grogu does both just so he can go hang out with Mando and they start their own religion sort of like Scientology. Or they start their own religion like they're Protestant or they're Reformed Jews or they're not so stuck in the Or they're Mormons because they, they have special underwear and yeah. magical spectacles. I yeah. get it. It just, it felt like, look, I, I grew up not in a, a mixed religious household, but I grew up in a household where we had, because my mom converted and we had Christmas and Easter and we did all, and Passover and all, we did it all together. And I think that there was a richness that came, that comes from that, from understanding two different or multiple cultures coming together as one you learn a whole lot more it expands your worldview and i think that as a gift you know it's not like the Mandalorian is saying you get this please come to my side he's not trying to trick him to come back no he's he wants to protect him he's trying to protect him and i think luke should look at that and go that's a nice gift this person cares about you. That's important in this world. Yeah, we're Jedi, but it's good to have people who care about you. Look, I'm Luke Skywalker. I got people that aren't Jedi that care about me. I got Wookiees that care about me, and I got, you know, it, that's. But it's a fa- different code. It's a different code of ethics. But it's a, it's gift. a different code. But no, but, but Grogu's not being asked to go into that code. No, He's not no, asked but to. What, this is where I'll disagree with you because the thing about the Mandalorians. And I think it's as significant as to get circumcised or not. I mean, it is a permanent, it is so indelibly ingrained in their religious order, is that fucking armor. If you're wearing Mandalorian steel, if you are wearing that fucking steel, they take that shit so seriously. It's such a big part of who the Mandalorians are, is that goddamn armor. I totally understand that if he's given a gift of that armor, of that steel forged by Mandalorians, 
then maybe it is about making a choice that that if you're gonna you can't just wear Mandalorian armor and go yeah I'm not a Mandalorian but I'm wearing the armor because they'll fucking come after your ass. You're the type of person that likes to play Wordle, and I am the type of person that does not like to play Wordle. That's I don't give a shit about it. I've never played. Well, it. you're missing out before it. It gets all. I did like your story. I did like Jesus. you. You wrote a piece. You wrote a piece about Wordle. It got bought by New York Times. To what's your issue? Which what's your issue about Wordle? Well, I mean, the issue is is laid out right there in the in my in my story. Yeah. But essentially, it's you know this this game was just it's a it's a website. There's no frills to it. There is nothing complicated. There's no ads. There's no. Um, you know, click for more, upgrade here, buy this. It's just you do the words and then you can share it with your friends or share it on social media or whatever. And that's it. And then you wait another 18 hours until the next one drops or however long it is till the next, the next one drops. You get one a day and it's a lot of fun. And, and it's just a word game. I, you know, when I sit on the shitter in the day, I play the New York Times mini crossword and then I do the New York Times spelling B thing. So I play New York Times games, and this Wordle thing is going to get roped into mm-hmm. that somehow. We don't know how. They haven't ex- disclosed how yet. I doubt they know how. But Wordle exploded so fast that, of course, big business, some somebody with money was going to go, we need to make more money on that. We need to use that. It needs to be ours so we can make money. Because everyone's using it. There's money to be made. Money to be made. Money to be made. That's all it was. And this weird, gross cash grab is going... Like, they're going to have to... Uh, diminish its its beauty its simplicity because if they just turn it around and like oh here's the exact same wordle you guys have been doing for the last few months why did they spend low seven figures on it of course they're going to commoditize of course they're going to try and monetize it and try and you know give other options so they can make bank like this is that's their business and it just feels dirty because nothing and i get it like i don't Look, New York Times saw an opportunity to make money. That's their job. Do it. Who am I to tell a newspaper not to try and make more money? I, I get it. And look, this guy that created it for his girlfriend, he made low seven figures. He made over a million dollars. You know. Well, the thing about it is, like, good thing, I guess, here's my question, and it's one of those things is, is the drug dealer the bad guy or is the drug user No, I don't the think that anybody's guy. really the bad guy here. That's what I'm saying. It's because yeah. they offered the money. But he didn't yeah. have to take it. He could have no. said, no, I made this thing for my girlfriend, and it didn't take me that much effort, and you're going to offer me. He could have been like, I'm a self-righteous fucker, and said, no, I don't want your million dollars. No one reasonable or with any brains would have done that. I'd take the fucking million dollars. Shit. I'll give you $15. Okay. No, I think I, I don't think that either one is bad, and I understand both their positions. There's no bad bad guy or good guy here it's just an unfortunate situation for me that just it that we have to it's it's like roses are beautiful and then when you pluck them to bring them into your home you're just killing them it's like it's this unfortunate side effect of bringing the beauty into your home you're you're killing it maybe not the best analogy but you see where i'm going here because i I do i the quote in from from Josh Wardle, his is his, his name Wardle, and Wardle's the play on his name, which is wonderfully clever and convenient. Um, in a quote from the New York Times, the story is that they wrote on January third. Wardle is a love story, so it talks about the you know yeah. how it came about. 
but the, the creator is, is quoted as saying, I think people kind of appreciate that there's this thing online that's just fun. It's not trying to do anything shady with your data or your eyeballs. It's just a game that's fun. There's a beauty in that simplicity. There is a beauty in that simplicity. It's why people like those horseshoe things, those horseshoe puzzles you can buy at Cracker Barrel. It's just a simple thing, man. yeah. It's a simple thing. So, in the story... (laughs) I I, I, I get that. But in the story, Wordle is a love story. It's like this weird foreshadowing of like, isn't it this beautiful, simple thing? And then they they talk a little bit about how... New York Times has these great games as well, and da 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 da. It's just, it's very, it's, it just, it muddies the beauty of it. And I'm like, going to guarantee, I will still play it when it's on New York Times. I'm sure let me, it will be a Let me make a guarantee. Shit, but- and the thing that's sadder, I'm going to make a prediction. My prediction is that uh, Josh Wordle and his girlfriend are going to be broken up inside of three months. I mean, because yeah, money you give, you give, any, you give anybody a million dollars, they become a bad person. Well, he's got over a million, so he. I know that's really what I'm saying. Person. I think that's going to change everything in their relationship. Everything they do, I think they'll have fun for a little while, and then things will get serious, and then she'll have opinions about the money, and then he'll be a dick about it. And I guarantee, I'm, I'm not guaranteed, but my prediction is that this Wordle started as a love story will end in a breakup. Yeah, I mean, I I hope not. I, you know, I don't. I hate to hear of anybody's heartbreak except people that I don't like. Fuck them. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just an unfortunate ickiness. I mean, I say like in the story, I say, oh, make no mistake, I'm still enough of an American capitalist to respect and celebrate Josh Wardle's ability to make bank on his invention. I'm just disappointed that it happened so quickly. But what did I expect? Any good idea, no matter how innocent and intended for kicks and giggles is chum in the waters for big business. The way companies buy each other up and devour the little guys to turn an even bigger profit and bigger name for itself on the New York Stock Exchange is the most American thing they can do. And now, gang, it's Rorschach of the News. Rorschach of the News. All right, your first your first Rorschach is, ready? Yes. Joe Rogan. He's a fucking pain in the ass. He was funny on news radio. Uh, I listened to his podcast a couple times and was like, eh, long-winded, kind of boring, it's not funny, I'm not getting much from it. But he's become a danger, and he's screwing over Spotify, or, you know, Neil Young, I mean, Spotify's kind of a shithole place anyway. Um, but yeah, he made Neil Young leave and made, uh, was it, not Judy Wait Collins. a minute, so Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell and Neil yeah. Flint. So you think yeah. he made them leave. First of all, you think he's a danger. Where do, do you think, get that? I do think he's dangerous. Well, Why do you think he's, he's dangerous? Because he puts out information that is factually wrong and does not balance it in any way. He is factually wrong about the horse medicine shit, and he encourages uh, have, this stuff. Uh, back, back up. Have you? And I'm just saying this because... I bought that, and 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 one of the things that that I get from Joe Rogan because I don't, and I've written about this on my Substack, but I don't listen to Joe Rogan uh, on the regular, primarily because I don't give a shit about what MMA guys and random comedians have to say, right? For that matter, but you know, he's interviewed Oliver Stone, he's interviewed Chuck Palahniuk, he interviewed Bernie Sanders. Those are interesting, so I'll listen to him once in a while, but. 
when all this Joe Rogan and Neil Young bullshit popped up, I went back and I went, all right, let me take a look because I know what CNN wants me to believe. Mm. And I know what Neil Young, who I already know Neil Young is already infamous for his anti-science screeds and songs about GMOs. Anti-science? He basically has an entire album devoted to bashing on GMOs, which are not scientifically bad. That's like the standard. Look it up. It's there. You know, like a whole song about Monsanto. You know, it's like <laughs> well, the the guy. The guy. I mean, Monsanto's you know, not healthy. Like GMOs no, it's are not, not the best thing for you. No, They're, GMOs are are the re, GMOs are. There's nothing wrong. GMOs is a product. The reason we have crops that grow in places that did, wouldn't grow otherwise are because of ge- genetically modified organisms. I mean, this yeah, is that's standard. Why we get avocados all year round. Yes, this is standard. That, so there's nothing wrong with. It. There's nothing that the science. That's a that is a leftist perspective that is like really not very in support of the science. Yeah. The science. The science is one thing, and they're like, ah, no, no. Anyway, so I went and listened a little bit. And Joe Rogan doesn't promote misinformation. He has guests on who he's interested in and says, what do you think? And then they talk about that shit. And really not that many of them. And so he doesn't promote Ivervectin. He had a guy on that did. His He's not anti-vax. He yeah, is not anti-vax. Ivervectin is It's not promoting. It's, it's, he's a comedian with a show where he just asks questions of shit he's interested he in. He gave a platform I think we're ex- to a person. Oh, what a promoting. load of shit. He no. gave a platform. He gave he a did. platform? Yes. He gave a platform. So, so basically, if you are popular and you have anybody that most people don't agree with on, that perhaps, and I'm not, the thing about it is you know me, I'm a total vaxxer, but why is the existence of someone who disagrees with the mainstream concept, whether they're right or wrong, why is having somebody on... <laughs> To talk about it, why is that a bad thing? And the only thing I can think of is either we think everybody in the country is too stupid to know the difference, or we're afraid they might be right. There's only two answers to this question. And I'm a speech guy. I'm like, hey, more speech is the answer to bad speech. If you think these fucking guys that like horse shit is... You know, if they're bad, I do not think banning them, preventing them from saying it in a big platform is the right way to go. I think let them say it on the big platform and then point out how they're wrong. That's it. Okay. So nobody's banning Joe Rogan. No, I know. Nobody's saying ban Joe Rogan. But Joe Rogan also does not point out when his guests are factually wrong. Well, that's not his job. He's not seeing it. He's not a journalist. But there's a the New York Times. The New York Times doesn't up up maintain that responsibility for their shit. So why would you expect Joe Rogan to do it? Be better than the New York Times. Why is the New York Times the bar you won't pass? Because it's fuck? the fucking paper of record. No, no. Second no. thing. Second Rorschach. Olympics. Uh. 
didn't realize they were happening. I, <laughs> I like most years, I kind of don't care. I do love whatever sport that is where they go cross-country skiing and then stop to shoot things with a rifle. That's fun. What is that called? I think it's called policing in cool. the snow. No. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. No, I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch them. Eh, whatever. But go Number America. three. Number three. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Fucking Whoopi. I... So I saw a, a headline in my, you know, my Apple News feed on my phone was like, uh, Whoopi suspended for two weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what the hell did she do? So I look at it and it talks about something about the Holocaust. I'm like, well, what did she say? Because Whoopi, yep. a black person, a Jew, what could she possibly say about the Holocaust that would get her suspended for two weeks? Well, did you read what she said? So I had to go to another story to read it. Okay. And yeah, she was like, "It's not. It was the Holocaust wasn't a race thing." Is essentially what she said, which is fucking yeah. idiotic. Yeah, it's, it's idiotic. stupid. Um, so one, Whoopi, what? Shut up. Two, should she be suspended for two weeks? Uh, from what I've read, and I've not read a lot because I don't watch the View. I don't care. Like Whoopi Goldberg is not in my I, not my thing. So whatever. Uh, but it sounds like she quickly apologized, admitted her her faux pas, her, her uh, gaffe, whatever, you move on. Why are we punishing her for making a stupid mistake? And it was stupid, but it's not like it harmed people. It was a fucking idiotic thing to say. Oh, okay. Now, all right. It. All right. All right. I'm going to back up, first of all, because um, I agree with you that, that it didn't harm anybody, but I think ABC has to suspend her because anybody that said anything that, I mean... On ABC, anybody that said anything that might potentially be considered, you know, racist in a in a black sense, they fucking fire. And she just said something that is highly offensive to those in the Jewish community. If you don't fucking at least suspend her, then you have absolutely then you've fallen into. Here's the thing. This is what I think is interesting. I'm but not mad at whooping. I think there's a I'm difference not- between saying something racist, which is arguably hateful and can stir up uh, uh, crimes or suspicion against other people or, you know, harm versus saying something that is just factually inaccurate and dumb. All right. Well, I think what she said was factually inaccurate and dumb. No, no, no. Here's the thing. And this is what I'll tell you, because I understand where she's coming from. I don't agree with her, but I understand where she's coming. The Anti-Defamation League, right? These are the good guys, right? Anti-defamation league. I, I have issues with that. They're yeah. supposed to be the good guys. Yeah. I, Their they're, definition. They're not bad guys, yeah. For decades, I mean literally for years, up until last week, their definition, I'm going to read it to you. Their definition of the word racism for years was racism is the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics racial separatism is the belief most of the time based on racism that different races should remain segregated and apart from one another that was up until like two weeks ago the new definition on the Anti-Defamation League website is racism. 
the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. Based on the second definition, Whoopi Goldberg's perspective on the Holocaust is 100% correct because both, and that's her point. Her point was Germans and the Jews they killed were both white. So in her perspective, based on a definition she's bought into, it can't be racism because racism mm. only can occur mm -hmm. between white people and people who are not white. And that is a really con so I can understand why she had that. I don't agree with that perspective, but I don't think what she said was anti-Semitic. I think it was a complete buy-in to uh, a neo-Marxist perspective on what racism is or is not. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I so is racism, if I hate, if I hate German people or Russian people, am I racist against German and Russians? Are they a race? Well, if or you go with, if you go with the definition, anti-defamation league, the, ADL the says first no. definition from the first definition, then yeah, that's racism. Uh -huh. From the second definition, you're all white. So it can't be. Hey. Well, I that's complicated. Third Rorschach, populism. <laughs> I've never really understood populism. Like I can never quite get my head wrapped around populism because on its surface, initially you think, well, he's a populist. Well, that's good. That means he's popular with the people. Most people like him. Do, what, do what's popular. Do what the popular kids do. That seems like a good thing, except it never is. That's not that it's never is. It's just in recent history, it's mostly been a right wing or, or alt right or Nazi kind of thing. Populism in like the 1840s was actually pretty good. It was in Kansas. It was very socialist. It was very populism is basically basically defined as common people uh, issues. That's, yeah. So it's it, to me it, it, these days what it sounds like to me is. Mm -hmm. The, the working class poor people. That's is what, what, is what it sounds like because that is effectively what it is. Populism yeah. is the will is that of breaking from the status quo to support the working men. That's yeah. really what it boils down. Which to. is yeah. weird because that sounds like a I, good thing, right? Yeah, it sounds like a great thing. I'm I'm all for workers' rights. I am all for maybe not killing the rich and eating them, but certainly beating the shit out of a few of them because you know. Fuck them. Wouldn't that be sure. fun? Give me, you know, fucking sp spaceship jacking a few rich people. But, yeah, I don't... Uh. All right, there you go. Four, what is this? This number five? This is number five in the Rorschach of the news. Jeff Zucker. Who is Jeff Zucker? I am, I am surprised you don't know anything about Jeff Zucker. Jeff Zucker is the head of CNN. Ah, the, the Clinton he News Network. He is re he is recently uh, resigned. He resigned today. Yes, the Clinton News there. He resigned today <laughs> because um, in the uh, in the uh, investigation with uh, what's his fucking name the the Cuomo, they found yeah. out that he yeah. was in a relationship with a subordinate because of course everybody's a subordinate to Jeff Zucker at CNN, right? 
Um, but over COVID, it's somebody he'd worked with for 20 years. And over the last two years during COVID, he got into a relationship with her and did not disclose to the network that he was in a relationship. Does, does the fact that it was during COVID, is that germane to the story? Well, the, I know. It's just that's when it happened. Okay. Uh, but, the, the, I mean, the story was that they'd been working together for 20 years, and over the course of COVID, they were just kind of in close quarters. and The time they shouldn't start- have been in close quarters? But well, no, I, that, anyway. I don't know. I don't know the details. But anyway, so he, basically, so he broke it's the, the first policy and didn't disclose. It's the, the first example. It's the first example because CNN actually didn't care. But be the optics, uh, from what I understand, is the first. It's the first Me Too firing due to a purely consensual relationship. Well, knowing fuck all about this, let me weigh in. <laughs> There are plenty of uh, employee handbooks that have things like you need to disclose employee relationships. Uh, They're discouraged, but if you have one, please, you know, whatever it might be. So it sounds like from all the information that we just discussed, so much information, it sounds like there was a consensual relationship and he didn't disclose it, which would in normal instances be a, hey, man next time fucking tell somebody it's in the handbook that has your signature on it as the ceo or whatever and the way you put it i actually hadn't thought about it this i kind of appreciate the fact that cnn takes i mean that's how we're going to kind of kind of position it is that cnn is requiring from their most senior most high up guy the same responsibility that the guy in the mailroom has like here's what it says in hr if you didn't disclose it you're fired well but that's also yes and i i like that like keep that's kind of cool that is Uh, fair but also not a fireable offense Mm -mm. uh raping a subordinate fireable offense fireable subordinate fireable offense uh verbally assaulting abusing fireable offenses Consensual, consensual relationship. Consensual relationship? It's a, it's, it's a little gray area. It's a gray area. I actually don't even think it's a gray area. All right, number six in the news, in the Rorschach of the news, crime wave. God, I'd love to surf that. <laughs> Fuck, what? Uh, Murder rates are up in 20 different cities that are ex- eclipsing. I mean, like, doubling when you're in Chicago, the murder rate in Chicago is like 30% more than it's been since 1990. We got murders going on. We've got massive, I mean, in California, they're not even prosecuting anybody that steals less than $900 worth of shit. Yeah. We get a crime wave going on in the country. Yeah. That's the Rorschach. What are your thoughts? I think it is... I think this is the beginning or a version of going back to a topic that we discussed on the ape a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is part of that civil war. This is the, the country. I don't want to say it's crumbling because part of the democracy is to like prevent this shit from happening. You know, so when it's tested, it's being tested and that's what's happening right now. But people are pissed. They're confused. They're tired. They, don't have the money they need, they don't have the things they need across the board. And this is not specific or unique to the pandemic 
or Joe Biden or Lori Lightfoot or whoever. This is an ongoing thing, and it's coming to a, to quote my favorite author and speaker, Malcolm Gladwell, a tipping point. <laughs> and I, I, think, I think that's what's happening. And uh, we're pissed, tired, and we need stuff, and we don't have it, and they're going to get it, and we're lashing out, and we're pissed. And, and that's what's happening. And there may be something where, you know, maybe the cops aren't doing what they should be they're not working as hard because they feel hurt because people are mad at them because they keep doing things that are bad too all right simian cohort here's don and david with the six things you should do for the week my first thing it's a read uh it's a it's a two-parter of course read my story on wordle um on, on literate ape love story for sale uh, the New York Times, or sorry, Love Story for Sale, Wordle, and the New York Times. Give that a read. It was published on Wednesday of last week. But also, click the link in there. Read the story in the New York Times. Not the New York Times buys Wordle, but read Wordle is a love story. Because the irony and the foreshadowing, and knowing what we know now, it's like, oh, you sneaky fucks. Like, I feel like they just, they printed this knowing what they were going to do. What they were going to yeah, do? Of course it. it's they just, did. Of course they it's did. Just, it just makes it feel it's achier. greasy. That's, it's greasy. Yeah. 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 So speaking give that a of read. greasy, speaking of greasy, and my first one is a read. It is a feature in Bloomberg Business Week. Yes, I know it's un- improbable that I read anything from Bloomberg Business Week. Everybody but makes mistakes. It's an article called "The Charismatic Charismatic Developer and the Ponzi Scheme That Suckered San Diego." Jesus, that is a mouthful of a headline. It is a well. Let's try it again. Try it again, but say it faster this time. The charismatic developer in the Ponzi scheme that suckered San Diego. Oh, there you go. There you go. That was pretty good. The subhead is Gina Campion Kane was a pillar of the local business community, but her successful image and lavish lifestyle were fueled by a fraud. This is basically about a woman in real estate who who. Just fucked everybody with her Ponzi scheme. Just, I mean, just like a massive Ponzi scheme. And I just read it. I just got sucked into this article. It really lines up. I mean, there's a lot of shit in this. I just recommend you read it because it's a really interesting read. And uh, it's rare that I would, uh, yeah, it's rare that I would actually say, hey, read Bloomberg, but this is a good, it's it's well worth your time. And one more time, that headline is? Oh, you son of a bitch. The headline is, as fast as I can say it, the charismatic developer of the Ponzi scheme that suckered San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, my next thing is a read. It is in the Atlantic. Uh, eight books for indulging a bad mood. Uh, by Charlie Tyson, the subhead is wallowing in our worst moods can be enthralling and even educational. And I, I am one who likes to do that. I am one who is like, okay, if I'm going to get out of this funk and this shit, I need to sit with it for a minute and figure it out, find my way, look at the map, figure out my route, and then go. Sometimes it's not as easy as pulling up the, grabbing my bootstraps, I have to go pick out the fucking boots. So... For those of you who are like me, like eight books for indulging, uh, what is that like? Eight, <laughs> eight books for indulging. Yeah, read that. A bad read mood. that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> my, 
My second thing is, it's been a while. Um, I was always a big fan of his, I think he did 1,800, 1,400, whatever, podcast. This is a listen. Mike Pesca is back with The Gist. I don't know if you ever listened to The Gist. It was a Slate podcast. Mike Pesca is kind of a comedian, kind of a pragmatic centrist, really funny guy, really well thought, very well read, very focused. Um, He ended up getting fired from Slate because on Slack, he had a discussion about whether or not Basically, whether or not if you were reporting on someone using the N-word, I put that in the quotes, mm. if you were allowed to say the N-word, if you're if you're quoting somebody or whatever, and they fired him for it. See, I don't so, think that's a fireable offense. I think that is... I don't either. I don't either. This guy did, he made, according to, the, to Slate, the article about the gist, like... 25% of their fucking annual income came from his podcast. So they fired him anyway. He started Peach Fish Productions, and the gist is back. If you have never never listened to the gist, I absolutely recommend it. Mike Pesca, I met him when he uh, co- or when he guest hosted. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Super nice guy, very funny, really outstanding podcast. So the gist is back. You should watch. You should listen, not watch, because you can't watch it. Great. Uh, my third thing, make a donation to Literate Ape. Goddamn right. A small we are one. Now an, Just we're a teeny an, tiny one. We are officially a not-for-profit corporation in the state of, of Nevada. Um, we can take tax-deductible donations. You can find it on our, our website. It says donate to the ape. Um, we're going to use the money. I mean, 100% of the proceeds are going to go into paying writers to write for the ape and that is weird poetry it is strange maybe not provide we don't have any boundaries to the writing other than it's be well written and it has a point of view so and we we do want to pay our writers this is how we're going to do it yeah this is not so don and i can uh you know make a whole bunch of money and buy (laughs) games from uh who would we buy games from Josh Wardle? I don't know. Yeah, New York, buy, New York yeah, Times. That's what we want to do. Yes, this is why we're doing it. So we can buy games back from the New York Times. So we can subscribe to the New York Times and yeah. get their games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's <laughs> so good. We need money to play Wordle. That's what. Yeah. That's all. Is because eventually I will go to the Wordle uh, dark side. Well, My you will third now thing, that the New York Times is doing because it's a newspaper of record. You schmuck. I'm really not gonna play Wordle. Uh, my third <laughs> thing is a watch, and I don't think you've watched this. Um, W. Kamal Bell. Uh, oh, yes. I don't, know, I don't always like everything he does, but I like I a lot like of him. things He's he does. He's a smart dude. I He's like super him. fucking yeah. smart. Came out with a four-part documentary called We Need to Talk About Cosby. It's on okay. Showtime. Um, I binged this thing. It is, it is, it's awful, and it's wonderful, and it's smart. But the thing I like, you know, you and I have talked about this. Awful, not in production value, but awful in no, like, like, like painful, the, like yeah, yeah, painful yeah. to watch. Subject matter is because yeah. you and I have talked about this in the past about the difference between you know, like how how do you separate the, the art, art from the, the artist? artist. Yeah. And uh, that was, I think, his Bell's sort of impetus for doing this documentary. What this is is, and he's got a lot of really, uh, it it is. 
This is not for the faint of heart. I'm, I'm just going to say because yeah. you have extended interviews of women describing how Bill Cosby raped them. So I mean that's hard. That's really yeah. hard to sit through. However, that aside, because I actually think that is that has value. I think it has a tremendous value to oh, yeah. allow these women to really kind of walk you through it. But really, what this documentary, four-part documentary series, about four hours, what it's about, it's about it's about people who had a hero, who was, and, and, and you know, you if all you know about Cosby is that he drugged and raped women, then you don't know the story because this was a guy that transformed mm. people's lives. Yeah, and and Bell manages to get some people who really are genuinely conflicted because this was a man who really I mean it, it it is the question is when what happens when your hero someone who changed your life who made everything about your life more worth living turns out to be a serial rapist how do you react and it is a really well done very smart documentary, and I actually think, especially in times where we're having conversations about Woody Allen, uh, Louis C.K., Kevin Spacey, I really think this is an essential documentary. Um, I just was blown away. First of all, I was blown away by the quality of his empathy and his questioning and the people he had on and second because it is it's like this is the this is the cosby who was really the one of one of the most amazing activists for black americans you could imagine Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand and he does a really nice job of showing you while he was doing all this amazing humanitarian work while he was doing it, he was drugging and raping women. And it's this timeline. And it's like, how do you reconcile it? That's what this is about. I don't think there's an answer, but it's a beautiful and horrifying thing to watch. I highly recommend. We need to that's, talk about Cosby on Showtime. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And I, I, I would like to watch it, and then maybe we talk about that at a future date. I will say that, um, well, well, two things really quickly. That the idea of how do you reconcile it and I don't know that you can I think that maybe this is one of those things where you can't like some things just cannot be reconciled the insanity the size of you have but I think you have to reconcile it or one of two things and that's what I I, loved about this documentary I don't know but like well that's one of the things I loved is, is that you have to reconcile it because either you dismiss the art you just say that person was evil and the art has to go. And any time something significant artistically that changed a life, that made a life better, is dismissed, that that has to be a bad thing. You can't yeah. say that that's a good thing. On the other hand, how do you take the crimes of an individual and then sort of how do you find that? And I yeah. think it is required that we find some reconciliation. We have to. Or ultimately, all art, or really all good things in the world, have to be dismissed because of the ill intent of those who did them. I mean, I go, I, I'm like go to go real big, again beyond art. Although I would argue that the Declaration of Independence has an art to it. 
Can you read the Declaration of Independence with its intent, with its effects over time, and reconcile it with a man who owned slaves and had sex with a slave and children with a slave? Can you do that? Well, for us to be American, we have to. We cannot dismiss the man because of his flaws. We cannot laud the man because of his achievements. And perhaps it's not even about the man at all. Perhaps Thomas Jefferson is not the important part. Perhaps it's just his achievements, and we're just going to have to like benefit from those. You know, because I mean, like I said, this it's a big, big conversation, and maybe we should have a talk about this. You need to watch, we need to talk about Cosby, and perhaps we can talk about it because it really does boil down to I, and that's the thing. It, it, when I watched this documentary, I had no idea, first of all, how many amazing things Bill Cosby did in his career that right. I consider amazing. Number two, and probably more important and, and absent of my participation, how important and significant he was to young black Americans yeah. who watched Bill Cosby, who watched him do, uh, what was it, Picture Perfect? I can't remember. That, that, I think that was yeah, what pic- it was called. Picture Pages, Fat Albert. Picture Pages. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like how big it, how important this began, man. Whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. How and I grew up on that how, shit. I mean, I grew up. Well, on I did Bill too, Cosby. but yeah. it's it's different, yeah. and that's one different. of the things yes, I really liked about Bell's documentary is it is different if you're a black kid, yeah. who's never seen a black teacher ever. You never had a black teacher, sure. yeah, and all of a sudden you have on Captain Kangaroo Bill Cosby, a black man, teaching a segment, and one of the 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 actors in the uh, I don't know if he's an actor or a comedian or whatever, but he says this is the first. Black teacher I've ever I had I had ever encountered. Mm. Now, how do you take that importance, that significance in lives, and then somehow find some kind of a balance with the fact that the guy was a not and 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 well, he wasn't just a rapist. And and yeah. I I don't want to minimize <laughs> I don't want to minimize rapist. I mean, if you rape one person, you're kind of a monster. This guy. Well, let's put it this way: if he, if if sixty women said he raped him, he raped two hundred. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, Jesus Christ! How do you, especially as the kid who grew up being affected by that man, yeah, and the good deeds the man did, what pain? What 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 conflict? And and I think uh, Bell really really captures that in some very significant ways. It is a really brilliant four-hour experience, and it's hard to watch, and it's he painful. It but four it's, hours. Yeah, it's a four-hour, wow. it's, it's four one-hour episodes. A, a, a really good essay that, um, that Bell wrote in the most mm-hmm. recent issue of Time Magazine about this, and he talks about... Like his struggle with it, he's like, I wanted yeah. this project to go away. Like I, it was hard, oh, but I didn't. It's a hard move. It's a hard I show to, to watch. Be, I needed to give these women a voice. I needed to tell this story. I needed to deal with it. They needed to deal with it. But it's it's hard. It's hard. It's, well, it's the, the yeah. thing I like about what he did was he doesn't just give the women who were attacked a voice. He gives the people who Cosby was a hero to yeah a voice. He, and does, he does something that Joe Rogan doesn't do, which is 
offer both sides he offers of an well, and, and, issue. And actually, I don't even think he offers both sides. What he does is he demonstrates why this, why people had he such a hard time believing it. Of the complex he shows complex. He shows the complexity of the complex issue, and and I and I have to, my hat goes off to him. I I mean I watched it in one afternoon. Yeah. I thought you know what I I've heard about this. I and, and it just dropped, so I'm going to watch the first episode. I did not anticipate I was going to watch all four back to back to back. Mm-hmm. But it was like motherfucker, this is really powerful and really extraordinary. So that is my third thing. We need to talk about Cosby on Showtime. Um, if you don't watch it, it's a mistake. It's, it's, I mean, it's such a good thing. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Locomotive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>